All right, so let's deal with some of the questions that are immediate first. Yes, I have seen a doctor, all right? <laughs> Other than a little leave this morning, I am not on pain meds at the moment. I have the good stuff at home. If I took it before the service today, I would be talking at .75 speed and it would be really, really interesting for you, I'll tell you that. Am I going to a doctor again? Most likely. Will they tell me anything I don't know? Probably not. <laughs> Do I welcome your prayers? Thank you. <laughs> and with that being said, if you see me just kind of digging into this softball, into my back here a little bit this morning, well, I appreciate your patience and your, uh, <laughs> your understanding as this may look just a little bit weird as I dig into those sweet spots here and uh, seating does bring some degree of relief, so I think we're going to make this here today. Good morning. Thanks for, uh, thanks for being here today. It, it, it is really good for me to be here too. Some of you may be asking, why aren't you home in bed? Because I want to be here with you. And if I can make it happen, I'm going to make it happen. This is important to me. And I know it is to so many of you as well, and it's something I look forward to in the week, but, but more than just looking forward to, it's something I believe in. And, uh, and if God's going to give me the strength to get through it this morning, praise be to him for that. And uh, just really want to know that you're, you're acknowledged here today because, you know, you, you got things going on in your life too, don't you? Um, life is busy, and it can be unrelenting, and it can be painful. And there's all kinds of little ways that the devil, I think, fights against us to keep us from coming in to gather in places like this today. Thanks for, uh, thanks for fighting the good fight. And uh, I appreciate you being here. Hey, if you're new, it's not normally like this. Um, it's, it's, it's normally like this, but not normally like this. Um, I'll introduce myself quick. My name's David Gadini, pastor here on uh, staff at Fellowship of Faith. Thank you for coming to be a part of this this morning, and I'm probably not going to be doing a lot of meet and greet at the door afterwards for some obvious reasons, but if you find me sitting in a chair somewhere and you want to come say hello, I'd love to chat with you for a few moments and just welcome you personally, if that could be a part of it, all right? I want to talk to you about where we're at in the Bible here today. You know, the school year, as a lot of you know, we've been going through the Gospel of John. Gospels are these biographies of Jesus, and John, the last living apostle, near the end of his life, writes this incredible biography of Jesus, the way that, that he remembers Jesus, the, the things he witnessed Jesus do, what, what he taught about, what he said, but, but what he did and how he understood himself. In these last several weeks, in a, in a season of the church here called Lent, we've been going through chapters 13 and 14 and 15 and 16, and, and these four to five chapters are all taking place on a final night, a night when Jesus was to be betrayed and handed over and go to the way of the things that we know well, his suffering and his death on a cross. And what I've been doing is sharing how these, these final words of Jesus with his disciples, whom he calls his friends, on this last night really function like a last will and testament. Final words that he wants to impart before he's taken away and can really never share with them in the same way again. I've had the chance to go through last will and testament work personally and with family members, but in fact with many people here at Fellowship of Faith who want to sit down with me and plan their funeral. 
and some will meet with a lawyer to take care of the financial business, but it's amazing to me how many people in these, these final moments, or preparing for these final moments, really want it to be something so much deeper than just who gets my stuff. What do I want to be remembered by? What do I want to impress on the people that I love? And many people who will meet with me will take time to write that out, even a bit of their story out, something to even be read or to be given to their family that talks about their faith and their life and what their family has meant to them. I've, I've had the chance to stand by the bedsides of people in last moments of life when family is gathered around them. What do you, what do you choose to say in those final moments? A lot of times it's things like this. I love you. And you see these powerful moments, maybe words that have been repeated through the course of their life over and over again, but they take on a special meaning in those final moments. I love you. Sometimes I've seen the words I love you come across to someone who I don't think ever heard those words actually spoken from that person. And, but, but something healing and powerful is happening there as they're uttered for the first time. I've seen people in those final moments of life deal with regrets, trying to make things right, saying I'm sorry. Sometimes to the people specifically, sometimes just to God. I'm sorry. And to them, those are the most important things that can be spoken. But you know, something often overlooked but that I've seen a lot as well is loved ones in those final moments giving a word of warning or a word of preparation because they know that they won't be there anymore to look out for the people they're leaving behind, to watch over them, to protect them. I remember this one instance with someone and he gathered his kids there. And I'll change the name, this happened a while ago. But he gathered his one son there and he said, I want you to be careful for John. I want you to look out for John. He's going to pretend to be your friend. He's after the money. Just be on your guard against him. You know, that person who was there at that bedside, he was trying to prepare his son from a surprise, from being taken unaware, from being manipulated, or maybe abused by a person he didn't want take, taking advantage of his son after he died. Sometimes last will and testaments, you know, they're like that. They're, they're words of warning. They're words of preparation. They're like, be careful because I'm not going to be here and I want you to be ready for what I fear you're going to face. And you're going to find that in Jesus' last will in Testament. If you want to follow along with me in the Bible, that's great. We're going to go to John chapter 15 and I'm going to jump in at verse 18. That's where we left off last time. But I want you to see the, the, these words of warning, this preparation 
that Jesus gives to his disciples and to you. Look at this. He says this to John 15. Let me read it. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teachings, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name. For they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now, however, they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them what no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen these miracles, and yet they hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what was written in their law. They hated me without reason. Jesus goes on, I'll just read the whole passage now and we'll go back and talk a little bit more. He says, when the counselor or the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you, so that you will not go astray. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this, so that when the time comes you will remember that I warned you. I did not tell you this at first because I was with you. A word of warning. A word of warning that Jesus gives his disciples. Do not be surprised if the world hates you. That's pretty hard for me. Because I tend to think of myself as a likable kind of person who can pretty much get along with anyone and anything. How about you? Some of you here know yet you're not likable. <laughs> you just do. You're blunt, you're brash, you speak your mind. It doesn't surprise you when people don't like you. But there's others of you here there's others of you here that every time it happens, it takes you by surprise. Why doesn't he like me? Why doesn't she like me? Why are they so mad at me? 
You know, Jesus in this, this last will and testament, he gives the disciples, he gives his disciples a warning. People are just going to hate you. That's the word Jesus uses, hate. They're just going to hate you. And you are going to wonder why. You are going to try to figure out some rhyme or reason behind why they're rejecting you, why they're writing you off, why they're distancing self, why they're judging you, why they're looking at you this way, why they're treating you this way. You are going to rack your brain in your sleep. It is going to keep you up at night trying to figure it out. And Jesus prepares his disciples. Don't expect there to be any rhyme or reason around it. They hated me first. They will hate you as well. This is one of these things in life that just makes no sense to me. Oh, I know it to be true. I've experienced it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's unbelievable to me, but it still doesn't make sense. Why people hate other people for no rhyme or reason. Can rack your brain trying to figure out. Trying to figure out why someone's treating you in a certain way. And sometimes it just leads you to the place that there is no reasonable answer to be found. No, Jesus tells his disciples, they hated me. And they hated me without reason. That people don't believe in me not because of what I've said. It's not because they haven't seen what I've done No, it's because the human heart is just warped to hate God. And if you are a disciple of Jesus, you will be hated for no other reason than because human hearts are warped to hate God. That you will be thrown in the same lump as Jesus is in. I think of the stories of Jesus. He's going around preaching and teaching to the least of these in such a way that is capturing the human heart and emotion and mind just humming and breathing with truth. And some hated him. He was living with ultimate compassion helping people and, lead, and, and, and healing people and, and standing up for people and defending people and seeing it right before their eyes, they hated him for it. And you, who go by the name of Christ, will talk with mercy and compassion and treat people with love. And don't be surprised if you find yourself rejected viewed with suspicion, persecuted, talked about falsely, hated. It can really throw you for a loop if you're not ready for it. Lead you to a place, what is going on? Jesus is trying to tell his disciples, you need to know what is going on. I need to prepare you. I want you to know so that when it happens, you don't fall away, that it doesn't cold cock you out of left field, 
that you remember that I told you this very thing would happen simply by being identified by my name. And at one level, I suppose knowing helps, but man, when you're in the middle of it, it doesn't really make it any easier, does it? It's in times like that, and many of you here faced it, many of you face it still. When the very name Christian or the very association with Jesus that you carry, the very difference of the life that it creates in you that sets you somewhat apart and makes you weird or odd in some kind of way, you know, that kind of stuff, the tendency when you find yourselves in those moments, you know, this is going to be an issue here. This is going to create an issue. This is going to bring on the pain. It's easy to kind of shrink away, to fit in, to blend in. hide behind the scenes and let the moment just pass away. But what's fascinating to me about this that Jesus shares with his disciples and he shares with you too is he says in those times you need to do something. And here's what he wants you to be about. He'll say, I want you to testify that you in those times need to bring witness to my name. Because you can see in this passage, the world will reject you. The world will hate you because you're not like them. You're not of the world. But you need to testify and be my witness to the world. And do you know why? Because God so loved the world. Because God loves the world. The very people who hate you who reject you, who slander you and make insinuations against you. God loves them too. And it's through you that God is going to show his love to them. Through what you face and what you endure, God is going to show his character to them. God brings his love to the world through you. And how you respond in those times will often mark and determine how they come to view God and respond to God as well. Jesus says, let's see if we get this working again. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. Yeah, they'll put you out of the group that you're in. They'll even think that if they strike you down, they kill you, that whatever they're doing is a good thing, a service offered up to God. Condemning you is the right thing that brings justice to the world. They will do such things because they've not known the Father or me, so don't be surprised, but I've told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. Jesus is telling us here, and he's he's taking his precious final words to impress it upon us. This is the mile in which you will live. This is the task that God is setting before you, and they ain't getting around it. 
There's no getting around it. God is sending you in to the midst of it. So be prepared and bring witness and testimony. Because even though they do it, God so loves the world. I want to show you a picture of a hero of mine. It's a hero I've never met. He's the man riding the donkey in the middle. It's a real photo. This is not like lifted off Google or something like that. Now, it's a real photo shared to me by a, a pastor friend in India. Back in 2017, I had the chance to go to India for about 10 days and meet and work among local Christian pastors and their communities and see both the joys of what God is doing and that amazing nation and the challenges and struggles that they're facing simultaneously. You know, today I think when we think of Christian persecution in the world, we might think of places like China. Or we might think of places like the Middle East. But what Jesus is talking about here in John 15 and 16 is alive and well in India. To this day, people hating those who go by the name of Jesus simply because they bear his name. Persecution in India is rampant. It takes all different kinds of forms, especially in the northern half of the country. This is a picture of a town up in the northwestern side of India near Pakistan. Hindu nationalism is rife in India, especially in the last several years. where the values of the country and the value of the faith system are seen as one in the same. So that to not be Hindu is almost equated to being like a traitor or committing treason of being a threat to the Indian state. Most of the persecution is not happening at a federal level. It's not state-sponsored. It happens locally. A neighborhood, a village, a community. Rising up against the one who is not of their world. In their midst. This man on a donkey is a Christian. And he and his family are one of the only ones in this community in which he lives. This is a picture of him being taken out of his home. If you're looking closely at it, they shaved half his beard and half his head. They seated him on a donkey like his master and had a parade with him through the streets, insulting him and 
humiliating him simply for being a Christian. In Jesus' last will in Testament, he gives a warning, a word of preparation, and not for something that just happens in 30 A.D., but something that anyone who bears the name of Jesus can still face today. And what I love about this picture and about this man, the reason he's a hero of mine is not simply because of what happened to him, but because despite it, he chose to take it willingly and continue to testify and witness to the very people who thought that by tearing him down they were offering some service to their country. It would be so easy for me if I was that man to move to underplay my faith, to retreat from the neighborhood in which I lived, and to do all kinds of other things for my emotional or personal or reputational safety. But now see this man on this donkey he didn't just know things about Jesus. He chose to live like Jesus. He wanted to be like him. Because when you fall in love with Jesus and you meet him in that deep and personal way, well, that kind of thing happens. And he remembered that that kind of thing happened to Jesus too but that God so loved the world that he would give his reputation, his safety, his happiness, his joy in his future for the people that God loved, even people doing this to him too. I see a picture like this and I can't help but ask myself a couple of questions. How about me? How about you? What would I do if that happened to me? How about you? None of us, I think, knows the answer to that question until we find ourselves in that place. But I have found that by preparing for its possibility, well, there's a better chance I'll honor his name. Jesus tells his disciples, in the final few moments, I tell this to you so that when it happens, you will not fall away, but be ready 
and prepared and give testimony to me. My suspicion when I look at a picture like this is that what we are seeing there will never happen to you. I cannot promise that it won't. It's merely my suspicion. But I can tell you this with all sincerity. If you bear the name of Christ, this will happen in other ways. Maybe not as severe, maybe not as extreme, maybe not by the same mechanism, but it will happen. Jesus says it is inevitability. It leads me to ask questions. How do you face and endure and pony up in moments like these? Having your heart captured with Jesus is essential. It really kind of puts it to the test. <laughs> Who you love is truly revealed in times of hardship, isn't it? But I think of some things that have made an impact on me, things that have helped me in lesser times like these. Other words of Jesus, and I'll just share one with you today. Look at what he says. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. What? Rejoice and be glad. Are you kidding me? Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who are before you. You stand in a long line of the people of God who have taken this out of love for God and knowledge of what he has done for you. Rejoice that God has counted you worthy. Rejoice that God is doing a mighty work in you. Rejoice that God has called you worthy of suffering for his name. Are you sitting there going, I don't like that? Me too. But that's what he says. And I'm going to take him at his word. Daring to live by his perception of life rather than my own. To choose to rejoice in my suffering and rejoice in my persecution and rejoice when I am worthy to suffer for his name because God says that what he will do in that is good. That no matter how bad a crucifixion might be, that out of it, God will work good out of Jesus and out of yours. And so be prepared to give testimony. Be prepared to give witness. It is his last will and testament, his final words before his death. That's what's true of me, Jesus says, will be true of you. And if you are my disciple, it'll happen to you but now I've warned you and I've shown you what I want you to do. Because at the end of the day, look, 
Being a disciple is not being a person who just wants to know some things that the teacher knows. Being a disciple is being a person who wants to be who the teacher is. And Jesus says, if you are my disciple, let it catch your heart, be like me. And he tells his disciples exactly what that will look like. So the band's gonna come up and I'm gonna get off stage. You're gonna stand, I'm gonna sit. (laughs) And we're gonna rejoice. We're gonna rejoice for the times that we are worthy to suffer for his name. We are gonna rejoice, those of you, I challenge you, to rejoice in whatever suffering or persecution for his name that you may face right now. We are going to look differently and change our attitudes and take on Jesus' perspective. Not to seek pain and persecution, but when the inevitability of it happens, oh, to say, Lord God, Blessed am I who has been found worthy to be identified with you and suffer for your name. Own it. Amen.